0: The real reason for the invention of the Internet. We're
1: pushing the ultimate frontier here. Control must be maintained.
0: TalkZone.com
1: Welcome back. Thank you very much for staying with us. Our guest today is Doc, Dr. Edgar K. Browning. Boy, that just twists my tongue every time. I go, uh, go to say
0: Edgar Casey, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Who's written the book called Stealing from Each Other. So we'd like to hear about your thoughts on Obama's plans.
0: And how America is the sleeping prophet. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I don't, I mean, the part of his... Policy proposals that uh, my book deals with, or I don't talk, I don't even mention his name in it, but the issue of how what government should do. The part of his policy proposals that are most relevant to that are that he proposes to increase several taxes only on the top 5% of our income earners in the U.S. and use the proceeds of uh, that higher tax to divvy up among the 95% of the population with lower income. So he is basically a redistributionist. He uh, is going to take money from 5% of the people and use it to cut taxes or provide benefits to the other 95%. Now, that may be good politically. Uh, Maybe that's a way to win votes. But it gets back to what type of tax system you really want. I mean, if if you think, as I do, that an appropriate tax would be one that takes the same percentage from everyone, that moves us even further away from that than we already are. And most people don't know how far we've already moved away from that. Uh, uh, A couple of things that I found in writing the book that I thought were a little surprising most people don't know about is, the different, you know, how big the federal income tax burden is on people at different income levels. Middle-income families in the U.S. today uh, pay about three percent of their income in federal income taxes. Three percent—that's less than they spend eating out at restaurants, mm-hmm. and it's a lot less than they spent just uh, 25 years ago in 19. 19- 79 middle-income families paid 7.9% of their income to the federal government in income taxes. Wow. It's gone down to 3% now. The top 5%, on the other hand, the ones who Obama is going to sharply increase taxes on, they are already paying 17.6% of their income. In other words, their rate is about six times as high already than middle-income families. And if you make it in terms of absolute dollars paid in taxes, the typical top 5% family is paying 55 times as much in taxes today as the typical middle-income family. And according to Obama, that's not enough. And, you know, quite apart from the effect that this would have on productivity, I mean, in that top 5% of households, I think at least half of them are small business owners. I mean, you're taxing people who start up businesses and invest in their own businesses, and that can't be good. Increasing sharply taxes on them is not going to be good for enhancing productivity and saving an investment and innovation in the economy. It simply is going to have harmful effects. But as I was saying earlier, in the short run, the immediate effect of that will certainly be to benefit middle income families, they get a $500 or maybe a $1,000 cut in their taxes. Uh, so I hope that they look beyond that or at least, you know, look at that more in terms of whether or not that is really fair to place that large a burden on 5% of the
1: population. Unfortunately, I believe it's a fairly large group of whiny people that want to whine about what they don't have instead of, you know, working with what they do have. You know, these people that are making more money, many of them work harder or whatever other reasons that they've gotten where they've gotten, but they shouldn't be penalized for that.
2: That's definitely true. And here's another little factoid that I find really startling, and I think most people do. It's very common for um, egalitarians, redistributionists, to the income of people who are in the top fifth or 20% of the population with the income of people in the bottom fifth, a poorest fifth of the population. Uh, And the top fifth, if you look at their before-tax cash incomes, they have incomes that are perhaps 12 times as high as people in the bottom. And, And egalitarians or redistributionists, whatever you want to call them, look at that and say, oh, isn't this awfully unfair? But what they don't tell you is that, that the, the people in the top fifth of the population actually work eight times as many hours per year as people in the bottom fifth. Eight yep. times. Yep. Know, it's, not, it's not just a little bit more. And I don't want to leave the impression of, you know, the people in the bottom are totally lazy. I mean, this has a lot to do with the fact that you're comparing apples and oranges when you compare people at the top and the bottom. People at the top are all, almost always Two earner families in their prime earning years, working, you know, both full time, whereas in the bottom fifth, you've got a lot of retired people, you've got a lot of people on welfare, you've got a lot of young people just starting out. Uh, they are very different groups of people, and it's it, it, it's not that, you know, they adjust alike. Except one group is working eight times as much as the other. There are these vast differences in the nature of the families.
0: Yeah, uh, a, 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 a lot more single parents uh, with you know too many kids where they might not even be able to get off to work.
2: It's yeah, I mean it's very hard uh, for single parent families, especially if they have small children sure, uh, to, to work full-time. and certainly to work full time. And I have sympathy with that situation, although at the same time. In a lot of these cases, uh this is what we would call behavioral polity uh behavioral policy that they have made decisions to have true and often without being married. Yes. Um uh, I mean that one of the one of the reasons why there are people who have such low incomes is of course our illegitimacy rate. Yes. And that has uh, I mean It was 4% in 1950. It's now 38%. Ooh. And, you know, people, uh, economists have increasingly concluded in the last couple of decades that some of that increase is, in fact, due to the welfare system that we have, because it tends to pay families with children more, uh, and it will pay single-parent families more than they would get if they were married, so... It does encourage that type of behavior. That's surely not the only reason why it's gone up. Uh, culture has changed a lot too, but, uh, the welfare system is somewhat implicated in that, uh,
1: Statistic. People simply wanting to take advantage of a system and have life easier. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Our guest today is Edgar K. Browning, PhD, uh, written the book Stealing from Each Other How the Welfare State Robs Americans of Money and Spirit.
0: So you hear all men are created equal, and I, I've wondered about that a lot, but you know what you write in your book pretty well explains it to me. And these days the egalitarians, a lot of the liberals, they're pushing for equality. And what that means to them is everyone gets the same results. If I work twice as many hours and work harder and have been educated and I'm skilled more than another person, well, we still get the same wage. But what you're indicating is we're equal because we have an equal rights and equal opportunity to pursue Prosperity, happiness, and whatnot—not that the results should be the same, but that we have the equal opportunity to pursue whatever results we can reach. And then
1: our efforts determine the results. Yeah, when, when um, was—is it the
2: Declaration of Independence that says, or is it the Constitution that says, all men are created equal? Um, when they wrote that, they clearly did not mean literally that people were identical in ability or anything else i mean thomas Jefferson certainly did not believe that people were equal in ability yeah but uh, what they meant were that they were equal in terms of the rights they have they should be considered equal under the law and we have perhaps uh, amended that in more recent times to say we would like people to have all people to have opportunities equal opportunities or at least Opportunities to develop, you know, whatever capacities they have. Yeah. But egalitarians, you know, increasingly focus not on opportunities uh, and not on equality before the law, but they focus on, as you said, equal results, and that has increasingly driven policy in the United States and in many other democratic countries. I think I. I have a quotation in my book from Business Week magazine from 1975 um, that goes something like this. The the greatest single force changing and expanding the federal government in the United States today is the push for equality. This was written in 1975, but there's no doubt that the same impulse plays a major role. I mean, you can see it in the Obama tax plan, obviously, uh, that many people, especially those on the left, um, but a lot of people on the right as well, think that it is a legitimate function of government to reduce inequalities in results. If you don't like the results, if some people end up earning too much to your taste and other people earn too little, well, we'll just take money from those who earn it and give it to those who don't. Mm -hmm. And that will be fair. And I think that's dangerous. I I mean, uh, if we go back to the tax system and what tax rates people pay, uh, the the current system is basically an invitation to people to say, I will impose tax rates on other people that I'm not willing to pay and I don't have to pay in order to benefit me. And I think it's dangerous to open that door uh, because there's no obvious stopping place in that and we may well drift, and we are, I think, tending to drift in the direction of the European economies that we mentioned earlier. Um, A lot of people on the left want us to be more like the European economies. They want bigger welfare states, and I think that would be a tragic era because the economies in Europe have not been performing well since 1980 or so when uh, they had expanded their welfare states far beyond what ours is.
0: You know, to me, um, if if I don't get um, paid more, rewarded more, somehow for my extra effort, it tends to make me not want to put out that extra effort, which I, I guess translates into uh, less prosperity for me, and if uh, my whole country's that way, less prosperity for my country. So, to me uh- ca- regulated capitalism regulated means that you know if somebody's getting a monopoly a monopoly and just clobbering everyone else for greed, I think that should be dealt with but basically under other than that you know it should be a equal playing field and I understand you know like you know how you stripped it down uh races have equal rights here um sexes have equal rights like the main reason why women don't have the pay that men do, and, and you hear the media say everything but this, but pregnancy is the one that just really throws it way into a different percentage.
2: I think many studies have concluded that uh, that if you compare uh, men's and women's incomes, for men and women, well, for women who do not have children, or men and men who do not have children. There's not much difference in them. The big difference is between women who have children and other women and men. Women who have children tend to have lower earnings. And that's understandable. You know, and that's uh, it's a fact of life when you have children that you have other uh, responsibilities. Sure. and uh, uh, You know, other uh, claims on your time. Right. And, I, I, th- I mean, it's, you know... It's really extraordinarily misleading to simply take the average or median for all women, which, which is about 76% of all men, and attribute that to something like discrimination. Economists know that it's not; most of that is not discrimination. Very little of it is, if any. And yet, people will take that number and say, look, women are getting paid 76% of what men are. That's not fair. And yet, if you compare men and women... Who are doing the same jobs, working the same hours and so on, uh, same age, same education. There's very, very little difference in earnings between those more comparable groups than uh, just taking the overall average.
0: Right. In your vast research and, you know, seeing what other people have researched, does it seem absolutely true, basically, that if you have a Mexican, or a Caucasian, or a Afro-American, or a female, or a male, with the same uh, level of skill, basically they're going to get the same pay.
2: Yeah, that. I mean, you would find some argument uh, regarding whether it would be exactly the same, but there would not be a large difference. It would be a very small difference.
0: Minuscule. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think there'd be essentially. I mean, yeah, minuscule. I think there would be a minuscule difference, if any. It's very hard to make that kind of comparison, but when when you do that, uh, you know, the overall average figures that that are reported all the time in the news media, uh, they greatly overstate the differences in income. For example, uh, just taking the average income of African Americans compared to uh, white Americans. I think African Americans have average family incomes of about 60% of uh, white Americans. But if you compare two-earner couples, white and black, black couples have something like 89% of the income of just by you know not not even controlling for anything except. Uh, Whether they're both working or not,
0: yeah, much smaller thing. This is apples to apples now.
2: Yeah, and uh, people lose sight of that when they, you know, it's normal for people when they read that, let's say, black males earn 75% as much as white males. Uh,
0: Misleading.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it doesn't control for education or how long they're working we we need
1: to take a break you're listening to mastering ourselves our guest edgar browning phd author of stealing from each other we'll be right back
2: mastering ourselves co-host keith amber has done thousands of psychic soul healings over the past 36 years as a healer and co-host on mastering ourselves keith offers profound insights that assist you in moving forward in your own life through your own trials and challenges During Keith's private healings and on the show Mastering Ourselves, many of life's mysteries are explained with the help of the amazing Spirit Guides of Light. Find out what others have to
1: say about Keith's life-altering healings at MasteringOurselves.com.